Have you heard about the 2018 study that showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? No? Well, now you have. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, the company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. I remember staring at my prenatal vitamins and finding all these things I was trying to avoid. High amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and unnecessary ingredients. So, at four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual because I believe that all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. I'm so proud of our prenatal vitamin. The ingredients are 100% traceable, it's third-party tested for microbes and heavy metals, and recently received the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. You see, we trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. But don't just take my word for it. Trace for yourself with 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast. Hi, folks. Be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message, to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment. Well, on Tuesdays, he kind of like, uh, what's that, Puscatani Phil that comes out of his little cave? And if he sees daylight, he'll do another program. If not, if not, he goes back in for a month. Hello, Dr. History. How are you? I come out whether it's <laughs> sunshine or rain or snow. It doesn't matter. Oh, I'm here. What are we going to do today? Well... We're going to talk about the Battle of the Alamo. Oh, one of my favorite stories. But uh, this is a little different. This is about some survivors, the women and children, that survived the Battle of the Alamo. Before we get started on the movie with John Wayne, the Battle of the Alamo, I thought, now tell me if I'm wrong, that the depiction and the way that John Wayne is one of the executive producers of that movie back in the 70s, I thought it was really close to historical fact. It, it, probably close, you know, and I don't remember. It's been so long. Okay. But, but, you know, so let's just mention the battle. Uh, it happened February 23rd through March 6th, 1836. Mm-hmm. And it was a very important uh, event in the Texas Revolution. Right. Thirteen days, the Mexican troops uh, under President Santa Ana, they reclaimed the Alamo near San Antonio. And, and I've got to say, that's on my bucket list. I've never been there, but I want to go to actually be... At at the at the Alamo just I know it's not there's not much there but I still want to go it's it's going to be a surprise to you <laughs> okay and I think it's going to be a positive surprise and in some respects maybe a negative okay. surprise okay well so you know the killing of the Texans in that battle, you know, Santa Ana was cruel to these guys, mm-hmm. uh, the Texas settlers, the immigrants. Uh, but anyway, that's where, because of that, you know, remember the Alamo. And then, of course, the Battle of San Jacinto, which took place later. Absolutely. Which was a huge thing in the, us acquiring the land that right, we have. Right, So, but today... Uh, I'm going to talk about the women and children at the Alamo that survived. And uh, I'm going to guess that probably a lot of people may think that nobody survived that battle. That's not true. No, but there were. So anyway, you know, we remember the Alamo siege and battle for the men who died there. Not as well remembered are their families who endured this 13-day battle. And they were right alongside them in some cases. uh, You know, gunfire barely uh, stopped in and around the Alamo on the morning of March 6th. 
1836, when the Mexican soldiers gathered a group of these, you can imagine, frightened, traumatized women and children and led them out of the fort. So the facts about the Alamo survivors have kind of blurred over the years. Uh, there's some conflicting accounts. There's some guessing by interviewers, uh, failing memories, some bad feelings among some of the survivors. Uh, most of the women and their children endured the battle in a back room of the Alamo That's church. Yeah. Uh, a few sheltered in other parts of the fort, and most were lucky enough to have lived through the early morning fight. But with any story, you know that you can have five people in the same experience, and they're each going to have kind of a different take on what really happened. That's right. <clears throat> so I'm going to start with one lady. Her name is Susanna Dickinson. Now, she receives kind of the most attention as a survivor of the Alamo. Uh, a lot of the early newspaper articles and histories incorrectly recorded her as the sole survivor. She wasn't. No, not by a no. long shot. No. And she was the wife of artillery officer Almiron Dickinson. She survived the battle with her young daughter, Angelina. Now, Susanna left a number of conflicting accounts of the Alamo over the years, which kept Alamo historians kind of scratching their heads even today because she kind of wavered in, in her story. She remembered her husband rushing into the room to inform her that the Mexicans were inside the walls. He begged her to save their child if the enemy spared her. He returned to the fight, and she never saw him alive again. Mm -hmm. In a later account, she told of 17-year-old Galba... Uh, Fuqua of Gonzalez running in, a, a guy running into her room to convey a message to her. Unfortunately, he could not speak since a bullet had broken his jaw. And after several attempts, he rushed back to the battle. So this young boy, 17, was m going back in to tell her something, but she couldn't understand. So him. the original report was that her husband came in. Well, right, he came in. And then secondarily the report came that she said that a, another person representing her husband's wishes. Right. I see. But it was uh, anyway, she was not able to understand. But you know, isn't history, I don't want to take any of your time, but isn't history in general, regardless of whether we're talking about the Revolutionary War with Washington and everything, isn't a lot of it Hearsay? It is. And we just have to go by what what little information we can get. Yeah. So, you know, that's what we've got. But Susanna left stories of seeing one or more of the Alamo garrison and maybe two young boys bayoneted to death after they tried to get shelter in the non-combatant's room. Names and numbers vary in her account. She may have witnessed her husband's body being bayoneted and may have been wounded in her calf by a stray bullet as she left the Alamo church after the battle. Now, she, along with Joe, who was the slave of Alamo commander William Travis, later verified the news of the Alamo's fall, uh, they told General Houston, Sam Houston. Anyway, Susanna lived out her life in Texas. She married four times. She and her last husband, Joseph W. Hanning, prospered in real estate and other enterprises in Austin in the 1870s, and she died in 1883 at the age of 68. Which is not old, no. but she died at the age of 68. So that's, that's one lady and her child that survived. Okay, the next person, Anna Salazar Esparza. Okay, she was the wife of, of Private Jose Maria Esparza, along with four, maybe even five children. 
Okay, so she had all these kids living in there. Uh, at the Alamo. Yeah, at the Alamo. Anyway, uh, they sheltered in the same room, uh, the Alamo Church, as Susanna Dickinson. So they were together in there. So the Esparzas entered the Alamo at twilight on the first day of the siege. Her story comes to us from some interviews given years later by her oldest son, Enrique. Now, as with Dickinson's account, the stories conflict, and it still is unclear whether the Esparzas had an infant daughter with them in the fort. Enrique, the son, mentions an infant in some accounts. In others, he mentions an older 10-year-old half-sister named Maria Castro by his mother's previous marriage. Uh, Besides Enrique and Maria, Anna had the care and safety of her other sons, Manuel and Francisco, and maybe an infant daughter. Through this 13 days, were there so four or five kids at this time in the same room where uh, Susanna yeah. Dickinson was? Were there any diaries? You know, I don't know. Uh, again, I think this is just interviews that took place later. Uh, I would hope to think that there are diaries that, but there again, how accurate are the diaries? Yeah, really. You know, so yeah. I thought maybe there might be something from uh, the uh, various people like Jim Bowie and others that might have kept a day-by-day documentation yeah. of the Boy, siege. Wouldn't that have been great to have They that? didn't I have think, anything. Uh, not that we know of. I see. <clears throat> now, the Mexican soldiers took Anna and her family, along with most of the other survivors, to the house of a guy named Ramon M- Musquiz in San Antonio and placed them under guard. At about 8 o'clock in the morning, Anna defied the guards and rummaged about this house to try to find some food for her kids and the other children. Well, this uh, guy that had the house, he convinced her to just stay put, and and he got some food for them. Uh, Anyway, it said that after the release of her family, Anna returned to her home somewhere there in San Antonio. Had a rough time for many days. She passed away in 1847. You know, when you were talking about the kids, I'm going to ask this question quickly. One of the depictions is that they were loaded into a wagon, all the survivors, the mothers and the children, etc. And where did they go? I mean, they didn't have any money uh, to take care of themselves or anything. Well, and again, they initially went to the house of this one guy, but then after that, they must have they must have had to just scatter to their families. I, I, I would, I'm just going to guess. Now, there's another lady. Her name is uh, Juana Alsbury, and her younger sister, Gertrudis, and Juana's 11-month-old son named Ale- Alejo. Okay, so you got the mother, her little bo- 11-month-old son, and her sister, Gertrudis. Now, is, they say that probably they went into the Alamo under the protection of Jim Bowie, because they, they being the cousins of his late wife, Juana, who had recently lost her first husband and possibly a young son to cholera, married a guy named Dr. Horace A. Alsbury in 1836. Now, Jim Bowie had sent this Dr. Alsbury from San Antonio on a scouting mission to go try to get reinforcements for the Alamo. Okay, so this Dr. Alsbury left, but he left his wife, 11-year-old, 11-month-old son, and her sister. At the Alamo, okay? Mm-hmm. Are we are you clear on that, yeah. where we're at? Okay. Now, during the siege, Juana and her small family occupied a room along the Alamo's west wall. It was apart from the other women and children. So this is a, a different area of the, of the fort. Now, as the Mexican troops cleared room after room on the morning of the battle, Juana directed Gertrudis, her younger sister, to open their door to show the soldiers that women and children were present. Well, a soldier grabbed Gertrude's shawl and pursued her into the room, demanding her, quote, money or her husband. 
Well, she told the soldiers that she had neither, as the soldiers ransacked the room, taking money and personal possessions left for them uh, for safekeeping by some of the Alamo's officers. So you can imagine, the, the, the officers, they probably knew this was not going to turn out well, and so they had left some of their maybe prized possessions with, with Juana in yeah. this room. Mm-hmm. So anyway, Juana described a man named Mitchell running into the room to protect her and her sister. She also recalled a young defender running in for shelter, both died by bayonets before her eyes. Oh, my goodness. So wow. a Mexican officer entered the room. He took the terrified young ladies and the baby outside where the battle was still in full force. It, it still was going really on. a cruel uh, happening at the Alamo. Yeah. But can you imagine the gunfighting, the shooting, the dust, the dirt, yeah. the, uh, you know. The uh, cannon fire. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, as things quieted down, they kind of cautiously made their way back to the room, but were called on by a Mexican soldier, actually the brother of Juana's late husband, who took them into his protection. Wow. Now, she and her husband, this Dr. Horace Alsbury, the man that Jim Bowie had sent for help, mm-hmm. okay, they actually were reunited in 1836 following uh, the Texans' victory at San, uh, San Jacinto. So they got back together. Her did, and her husband. And, but did the Mexicans capture him? No. Oh, they didn't. No, because he had left. He'd left. Okay. Right, to try to go get help. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, uh, the doctor died in the Mexican War in 1847, and Juana married again, and she passed away in 1888. Now, her son, this little 11-month-old, uh, Alejo Perez, he holds the distinction as the longest living known survivor of the Alamo battle. He became a member of the San Antonio Police Department, lived until 1918, and died at the age of 83. So, so he was the, the last known survivor. Now, Juana's younger sister, this 19-year-old Gertrudis that I mentioned, okay, Juana's sister, she survived the battle, like I said, with her sister, and five years later married and lived the next half century in San Antonio, and she died in 1895. Now, 40 years after the Alamos fall, this Susanna Dickinson, the first one I talked about, she reported somewhat bitterly that Juana and Gertrudis escaped to the enemy during the battle about two days before the battle and betrayed the condition of the garrison, and this accusation has never been verified. So why would Susanna Dickinson accuse Juana and her sister of turning on the men in the fort? I've that, never heard that. That, to me, that doesn't sit right. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't think that's true. And I, like I say, it's never been verified that Juana and her sister Gertrudis ever did how, that. How do you though, without uh, having both sides of the story and being able to interview uh, part of the Mexican army and or the gallant forces at the Alamo? Exactly. I mean, how do you verify this? Right. You know, the ideal situation would be have. A few uh, people from the Mexican side tell yeah, that's the what story, I'm saying. Yeah. And, and some of the people, which they did from the uh, Alamo side, yeah. but even their stories conflicted. So, you know, we just kind of have to take what we take. And anyway, now there's another woman named Concepcion Lasoya, and she had lived in the southwest corner of the Alamo uh, compound in her younger years. She had a son named Jose, and he served at the garrison. Her younger son, Juan, and daughter, Francisca, may have entered the Alamo under the protection of the garrison's quartermaster, a guy named Melton, and this was Francisca's husband, and he was a merchant. Okay, so you got Concepcion, okay, son Jose, 
younger son Juan and daughter Francisca. Right. Okay. And Francisca's husband was this uh, quartermaster. Right. Okay. Right. Now, Enrique Esparza entered the Alamo with his family. This is another guy. And added that following the battle and before the survivors were brought before Santa Ana, Francisca, who was married to the English guy, okay, asked not to reveal to Santa Ana that she had married an an American. She was told not to be afraid, but she was afraid that if Santa Ana knew she had been married to an American, it might not have gone good for her. Yeah. So, uh, this Esparza also remembered a Victorina de Salinas and three small daughters as surviving the battle, but provided no further details on this family or why they were in the Alamo. He only stated that he remained acquainted with two of the girls in later life. So, we've got some more kind of fuzzy history there, okay? Victorina with three small daughters that survived and how. Now, the same guy, Esparza, also identified a young girl, Trinidad Saucedo, as being very beautiful. In an interview in 1907, okay, so this is, you know, We're years. We're talking years 80 later. years difference. Well, 1907 from 1836. Yeah. yeah. So in an earlier 1902 interview, he stated that she left the Alamo during an armistice in the siege. A census lists, lists a Trinidad Saucedo as a 17-year-old servant. So was yeah. in there. Now, this Trinidad, at the time of the battle, may have entered the Alamo with this Dr. Alsbury, the guy that had been sent out right. uh, by Bowie. Now, when he left to go get help, what was the response? He didn't find anybody? Well, I don't know exactly what there's no found. There's no commentary on saying whether he got anybody right. to come help. And if, and if they did, they were obviously too late. Yeah. You know? So another guy, William Neal... Uh, lived in 1807 to 1896, and a former mayor of Brownsville, Texas, he told the story of Betty, okay, to Texas Rangers and historian John S. Ford. Now, he related that Betty, and that's the only name we have, a black slave who claimed to have been Jim Bowie's cook, arrived in Matamoros, Mexico, Uh with the Mexican army after the Battle of San Jacinto. Neil, this uh, former mayor, hired her, and she remained with him for one to two years. Now, according to Neil, Betty survived the battle along with a male slave named Charlie in the kitchen of the Alamo. So they were hidden in the kitchen. So these blacks uh, were there in the Alamo, and they were saved. Yes. Now, after her time with Neil, fearful that she'd be carried back to Texas in slavery, Betty disappeared. And this Juana Alsbury stated that after the battle, she and her sister Gertrudis were placed in the charge of, quote, a colored woman belonging to Colonel Travis, See, which could have been this Betty. Yeah, and, and all of this kind of goes along with the movie adaptation of supposed history uh, in the John Wayne Alamo movie, where they showed some leaving the Alamo in a yeah. wagon. Now, Finally, Joe, Travis's slave, reported that one woman died in the Alamo battle. Now, a correspondent for the Frankfurt, Kentucky Commonwealth newspaper, in his uh, letter in 1836, he says, quote, Only one of the Negroes was killed, a woman who was found lying dead uh, between two guns. Joe supposes she ran out in her fright and was killed by a chance shot. Now... What was the treatment? We're almost out of time, and I want you to expand on this a little bit. What was the treatment after the battle 
to the prisoners or the wives and the children from Santa Ana? Well, the the wives and children, I really don't know, other than I think they were just allowed to... They were allowed to leave. ...to leave and go wherever. But, uh, yeah, so... But there was a young mulatto slave named Sarah, and she ran off to Texas with a guy named Patrick Herndon. Herndon likely rode to the Alamo with the men under Jim Bowie. He died there, possibly with Sarah, the only couple to have lost their lives together at the Alamo. So Sarah and her husband Patrick they were the only couple really? to actually have died together. And, you know, the women survivors, along with their children, appeared before Santa Ana after the battle. Yeah. He interviewed them, gave and here, maybe this answers the question. He gave each two silver dollars and a blanket and released them. And, again, these little remembered participants to participants of this battle, pretty much kind of forgotten, really. So some of the women got killed. Uh, I don't know that any of the children got killed. But uh, When you go to the Alamo, I think you will realize and appreciate the fact that it's not what you think as a great, big, stalwart fort. You know, and I, the pictures I've seen, I agree. And, you know, folks, if you want another story about the Alamo, a while back I talked about, was there a coward yes. at the Alamo? Do you yes, remember that? I do. And so go back and listen to that story. <laughs> so they didn't all... Uh, cross over the line. To... You know, do a follow-up on this next week. Uh, I'd like to hear another story about that as far as leading up to the Battle of San Jacinto. Yeah, that would be good, just to kind of Oh, you're not going to be here next week. Uh, I forgot about no, that. No, I'm going to be fishing. <laughs> Tough life. I don't know how you stand it. It's rough. Somebody's got to do it. <laughs> Somebody's got to do it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I, you know, that's one of my favorite topics is the Alamo and yeah. Davy Crockett. And there's been a lot of questions about Davy Crockett and his sidekick, Georgie Russell from Tennessee, and how they died, where they died, yeah. all that kind of stuff at yeah. the Alamo. Yeah. But there again, most of it is speculation. It is. It is. Uh, you know, that's why it's so nice if I can get a hold of a journal or a diary. Oh, absolutely. That at least well, take Colonel words. Travis. Now, he had to have kept something on a daily journal. Well, you would think as far as uh, military, military yeah. uh, letters or... Yeah. or reports of what happened what about the responses that he sent out with couriers to go get help i mean they must have copies of those you would think you know i'm I'm gonna do a little research see if i can find some more about that and i did do some research for this but i i really couldn't come up with that much interesting i gotta run i know Uh, you know what you did it again doctor history everybody give him a round of applause hey all right good job there you go keep both hands on the wheel if you're driving uh thank you Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.